you have the American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visioneer, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why after several thousand downloads in just over a year, small business owners... CEOs, CFOs, partners, and general managers download the Small Business Celebration podcast in record numbers on a weekly basis. We want to thank the tremendous content that our Visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioneer Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business, and we thank you. Our guest today is Ike Krieger, the owner of Easier Way to Sell. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration podcast, Ike. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Tell us, Ike, what is it that you do? Well, I created a model of communication that just happened to work in selling, and it's pretty different than the traditional way, and I've been sharing it with people for mm, 35 years, and I have a podcast that does that now also. And what is the name of your podcast? It's Close the Deal Without Selling. Perfect. I think that's something that all of us, especially business owners, hate doing is trying to, quote unquote, close the deal. It's known for producing stress and uh, anxiety. And I think I've come up with a way to reduce that for both the salesperson and the prospect. It's a kinder and gentler way to sell. (laughs) Well, in today's economy, Business is growing at a very rapid rate, and one of the things that business owners are doing at this time are hiring more and more salespeople. And one of the big questions is a lot of business owners aren't necessarily salespeople themselves, but they need to hire sales professionals. In your experience, what are the kinds of things that work well for a business owner who is looking for a salesperson and what kind of strategies and thought patterns should a business owner be looking for? What an important question. First of all, I believe we're all in sales and we're all selling all of the time and we've been selling since we were babies. But the whole idea of selling has been given a strange, there's a strange aura about it because our internal dialogue about sales and selling is looked at as being something that's negative, either pushy, etc. So a lot of people who go out for sales jobs are attempting to sell themselves to a business owner or a larger company, and they end up taking everything they've done and give their best sales presentation in that interview. After that's done, their ability to perform is less than the person hiring them had hoped and or expected. 
And the reason for that goes back to exactly what you asked. How do you know that someone's going to be good? Is it their glibness? Is it their ability to smile? Is it the feeling that you get from them when you're doing the interview? Or is it just a cold, serious set of questions that you can either run through an algorithm and find (laughs) out if they're really good? Or are you really at a point where you have to trust your intuition? And in most cases, business owners are looking for salespeople that don't come off like the way that even they believe salespeople are legend to be. And I'm just suggesting that, especially using the type of system that I champion, is that I believe the best salespeople are the people who can have an authentic conversation with their prospects. As a business owner, I would invite you to have an authentic conversation with whoever's coming in about why in heaven's name with the stigma that's associated with selling and sales. Do they want to be in sales? And what are they going to say to themselves three months from now when they find out that it doesn't automatically put money in your pocket? It's really something that they have to tell you. you. They're going to give you the answer to questions that you want them to give you. That's why they're applying for a sales <laughs> job. You know, but what happens when they get out and the questions that they're being asked aren't interview questions. They're questions based on need and challenges that your prospects have. And if you're out there going, okay, I'm going to sell the way that I did in my interview. Those two don't mix. Mm -hmm. And I believe that there needs to be a rethinking of the whole sales conversation, again, to one of it being just that, that it turns into a conversation where you find out in advance that you stop giving a presentation, Mm -hmm. uh, have a real conversation. And if you find out that the prospect qualifies, then you can give your presentation. And I say the same thing to job applicants and to companies who are hiring. Have that conversation. And if indeed later on it works out in everyone's favor, then say, okay, tell me about yourself and what you've done in sales. But it has to be, you know, that eyeball-to-eyeball contact of, okay, I'm not using a lie detector, but I have to, to find out whether or not this person not only can sell, but whether or not they'll represent our company in a way that I don't have to be worried all of the time as to what they're going to be doing out there. For all of you business owners that are uh, tuning in to this very helpful resource, it's the same way that you have someone on any of your other teams. If you're a manager of a baseball team and you get somebody who plays third base, you know, you, you don't sit there and start asking them questions about you know their education and everything you go yeah what do you love about baseball mm. what are you going to tell yourself when we lose a game 12 to nothing how are you going to respond how can what is it that i can count on you to do that i might not be able to count on with anybody else and notice i'm asking open-ended questions and uh. as we continue this conversation you'll see that the secret to my system is ask powerful open-ended questions and listen there it is but i put some structure around that and i think that that's what they close the deal without selling podcast is about it's about that structure it sounds like as a business owner or a business leader when you're interviewing somebody you what you're really asking for is their philosophy 
how do they first identify a prospect, then how do they go through and what's the approach that they take with that prospect. Are those the kinds of things that you're looking for when you're sitting down with a new salesperson or interviewing a salesperson is to find out those particular things? No. My belief is that the whole process of selling is your ability to solve other people's problems. And in the world of sales, if you solve other people's problems, what happens to yours? Your problem gets solved. You know, right. duh. But the question is, how do you relate to problems? Most people go, I don't have any problems. Or, you know, a problem's not something I want to talk about. Whereas I believe it's just when you have a difference between basically what you have and what you want. The question is, if you're a business owner, you have a difference between what you have and what you want. Right. What you want is an accomplished or at least committed salesperson. And what you have right now is no committed salesperson. <laughs> so the question is, is how does this person solve your problem? Uh, what are the questions that you can ask them? You know, based on this situation that we have in the office, tell me how you'd handle that. That is what I would invite both the listeners who are looking for a job and also those who are in that wonderful position of providing employment to be thinking in terms of, okay, what problem do I want my new salespeople to be able to solve, not only for the company, but also for our prospects and clients. How do the top 10% of business owners generate so much success and wealth? I'm Tim McNeely from the Lifestone Companies, and I want to share with you four guidelines that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and enable you to change the world. If you go to lifestoneco.com slash four things, that's lifestoneco.com slash four things, you'll be able to download this guide that shares with you the four success habits that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and you to change the world. Our guest today is Ike Krieger, the owner of Easier Way to Sell. And we're talking about sales, and we're talking about how to sell without... Selling. <laughs> <laughs> Elegant selling. How to, how to uh, talk less and sell more. <laughs> what is the process that you recommend for somebody that is trying to convey their product or service? We talked before about selling, but Selling is a component of marketing, mm. and marketing gets you to the point where you have everything that you need in order to have the prospect make a valid decision on their own, mm. whether it's what they've seen, what they've heard, the questions they've asked, the questions you've asked, but all of those need to be in place. And I believe that the branding that people have been taught all over the country, maybe all over the world, is totally backwards. And How so? Well, in most cases, somebody starts a business and they'll get a really beautiful website mm -hmm. set up. They'll get their business cards printed. Mm -hmm. They will have flyers. They'll have brochures that wonder what type of advertising might work for the company, where they want to be, what their sign should look like, etc. They'll get all of these together and then they go, okay, baby, 
how do I market this? <laughs> All right, let's go. Well, your website's purple. Why is it purple? Well, I, my wife loves that color. You know, and, <laughs> and that logo on your card. Yeah, somebody said that it'll help me build my brand. Oh, yeah, what's your brand? Well, it's that logo. <laughs> I worked with a, a marketing consultant named Andrew Sokol, and he and I looked at the writings of Trout and Reese. Their opinion was that a brand strategy precedes all of that. And once you have the brand strategy, that brand strategy guides and informs everything you do. And the best example of all is McDonald's. Right. I'll give you one quick story, and then I think people will not people, you right there listening will know what I'm talking about. I have a friend, and I won't give his name, but I, I will say that he has a great little framing company. And I'm talking a framing of photographs <laughs> and paintings. Uh, he calls it, I think, ready frame or something of that nature. It doesn't really matter. And in this day and age, we have fast frame, you frame it, we frame it, ready frame, all of these things that they all do great work and I know them. But he asked Andrew and I to have a conversation with him, and he's about my age, early 70s, and he said, look, we've come up with a brand strategy for you, and a good brand strategy, if you take it to a business, you don't have to change anything you do in your operation. Wow. Nothing. Here's an example. We went to him and said, look, being better and being a great framer is one thing, but being different is everything. Mm -hmm. And here you are, that beautiful Russian accent, and your picture framing. And why don't you take that in advantage and have your brand strategy be old world framing. And here's your slogan. We take longer and it shows. Nice. I said, and what will you have to change in your business? Your business cards? Your logo? But what will those be and how will they relate to old world framing? We take longer and it shows. Just think about it. If somebody has the Mona Lisa in their house, are they going to take it to fast frame? Are they going to take it to old world framing? And this is what's missing in most businesses. They believe a logo is the picture on their business card. Some people even believe their picture on their business card. What if somebody puts out a business card next to yours and they're cuter than you are? You know, you, you can't rely on that. That's not strategic. That's tactical. And the shift away from a tactical approach to marketing will make everybody more money and let you sleep a little better at night because, as usual, a strategy is of great importance. We've spoken about strategy and defining your business and what makes you different because being different is everything. Yes. We've spoken about, okay, we've got our salesperson in here whose number one question when they go out into the world is asking, what problem can I solve? Now that we have a person, a prospect in front of the salesperson that's trying to solve that problem, what it is, what is the thought process after that? What can the business owner do to help augment the services or the systems that the salesperson needs in order to sell effectively? Perfect example of that is, again, going back to the word problem. 
And I have fun in saying you got to remember, if it's the difference between what you have and what you say you want, there can actually be good problems. Mm. Here's a good problem. My yacht is too small. Who would you go see? Who would the problem solver be? Right. The problem solver is a yacht salesman. But you happen to be a person who's selling old world frames Mm -hmm. at this point. So you would be helping this yacht owner solve the problem with their yacht so that you could build a relationship with them so they would buy more old world frames. Correct? No, and those two, two don't link. Uh, however, I would love to. <laughs> no, what old world framing? Using that as an example mm-hmm. is you've got the salesperson who's going out there and, and solving a problem mm-hmm. for a pr- particular prospect, and the prospect has given them their problem that may or may not be associated with what it is that they're selling. What is the process that you see? that the salesperson can use or the philosophy that they should use in order to help that prospect get what they need. Uh, We're back to setting the ground rules. And what I say to people very briefly is, look, I don't know if you need what I sell. I certainly don't have enough information. So let's have a conversation. And before long, we'll know whether or not there's a fit. And if anywhere along the line you decide you don't want what I offer, you'll tell me because I'd rather avoid or maybe or I want to think about it because it usually is a polite substitute for what? No. Yeah, and that's exactly what you do. You point at the person and they say no. That's what I meant before with this being a predictable system. Right. You say, great, I, I want to avoid that too. If you really need more information or you need to think about it, just tell me. Sooner or later, if you do believe this product's for you, we're going to have to determine what type of dollars you have set aside. And hopefully when we get that far, you'll agree to share that. And in addition to that, is there anybody else besides you that would be involved in the process of saying yes? And they tell you whether or not it is and say, and based on that, once again, we've gone all over this. Tell me again what specifically it is about this product or service that you believe is going to make a difference in what you're doing. And then they give you a presentation. That's it. And it really does work exactly like that. And your part. And plus, I tell people, look, take in a sheet of paper with you and write down the questions, your open-ended questions, like what other framing companies you've got? Why didn't, why didn't you go with them? You know, in order for you to go with me, what specifically would I need to do in between now and delivery in order for you to go, yes, I'm going to do this deal right now. When you get home today and you realize that you made this purchase, I want to know what's the first thing that you're going to think of that's not that we haven't discussed about here today that you might go, gee, I don't know. Let's discuss that now. I believe in troubling trouble before it troubles you. I want to have this conversation with questions, and although this will probably date our conversation, although I'm sure the date of the conversation is, there was a national newscaster who was able to interview someone who had information about an ongoing national case. But if you want to hear how to ask open-ended questions, listen to that interview with Rachel Maddow and Lev Parnas. She was mad. Magnificent, And that's the way you have a conversation with somebody. They're more likely to drop their defenses and answer, seriously, what, what's your problem? You know, what would you like to have happen? What happened the last time you tried it? You know what they're exactly like, Michael? The questions a doctor asks you when you come in. 
They're exactly the same questions. You know, how long have you had this issue? What else have you tried? And it doesn't have to be something, you don't have to be hurting. You may want your wonderful-looking nose to look even more wonderful. So you go in, it could be elective, but you still have that conversation of, you know, what would make you want to get an augmentation process. And if you listen to a doctor and you think like a doctor and you be diagnostic in your questions, again, with an attempt to solve their problem rather than yours, which is a, it's really different than what we learned even as children when we learned that crying would get us something or yelling would get us something. And I'm saying, you know, give all of that up and just ask questions and listen. And that seems to be a lot harder than, I know it's hard for me. Visioneers, your Supervision Year 2020 program has just launched, giving you the ability to influence the direction of the Small Business Celebration podcast and promote you and your company to the rest of Visioneer Nation at the same time. But only if you qualify as a Supervisioneer 2020. Screenshot your five-star review of the Small Business Celebration podcast on iTunes, post it on social media, and type hashtag Small Business Celebration podcast, your name, and the name of your company, and you will have taken your first step in becoming a Small Business Celebration Podcast Supervisioneer 2020. Learn more about becoming a Small Business Celebration Podcast Supervisioneer 2020 by going to smallbusinesscelebration.com, click on the Supervisioneer 2020 tab, and get more details about promoting you and your company to the rest of Visioneer Nation. Screenshot your five-star review of the Small Business Celebration Podcast on iTunes, post it to social media, type hashtag Small Business Celebration Podcast, your name, the name of your company, and you will have taken your first step in becoming a Small Business Celebration Podcast Supervisioneer 2020 today. We're here with Ike Krieger, the owner of Easier Way to Sell, and we're talking about how a small business owner looks at the philosophy of a prospective salesperson. You've gone through and you've had a wide variety of episodes in your career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've been a photographer, a piano tuner, an actor, a social media, a trainer. You went to Ohio State. You're, you know, and, and I'm sorry, but you're also a Lakers fan. I don't know if we can have you on the podcast now <laughs> for that. A Browns fan. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Hey, you know, you just got our offensive coordinator for your coach. Yes, so. you're a Vikings fan, right? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, things may be pers- looking up for you guys. I hope so. The last time they won a championship, I was 16 years old. And the last time the Cleveland Indians won a championship was the year I was born. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> they came close on my 50th birth. Or, you know, when I was 50, they came like with one, within one out. And that's what we of Cleveland have become used to. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cleveland, I love you, and I'm so happy I'm in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, definitely the, the winters are much better in L.A., yeah. for one. But one of the other things that I noticed in doing some background research is two of your favorite movies are The Godfather and The Sting. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about these two movies that they have in common that I enjoy is they're in a very dark, humorous sort of way about mentorship. And one of the things that intrigued me about what you're doing with your work now and your podcast is that you're specifically going out and mentoring people and teaching people things that work. 
you're going through and demonstrating and talking about and interviewing guests on how a sales process works effectively. How did you stumble upon this or work your way through this or discover this? How did all this come to, to pass? Approximately two years ago, I had a stroke and I recovered after about six months, but I decided I wanted to archive all of my material and share my model. And that's what the podcast is. And after doing it for a couple of episodes, I went, oh, this is I like this. This this is fun. I, I, I'm a hippie from the '60s, and I have my own radio show. You know, so uh, it was. It's been just really gratifying. Something happened along the way that was difficult. That changed the way that you approach business and that you approach life. What was it that happened to you that changed the way you did things? I realized how little control I had over anything, uh, and I say that with all honesty, and that I needed to be better, uh, that uh, I learned. Well, what first of all, what happened? I am probably one of the most creative people I know. Okay. <laughs> and I can come up with ideas. My actual goal in life was to sit in a dark room with a beautiful Sony TV, have an icebox next to them. People just come up to the door and go, can we come in and go, look, I need an idea for this. And I go, oh, whatever, whatever. They just, I can come up with ideas all of the time. And what I have neglected to do until recent years is have any back-end planning. Hmm. My biggest mistake ever is I wanted to start a piano tuning school when I moved out from California, and I ended up buying a big retail music store, and I I had never had a retail store. I didn't know how to run a retail store, and people who were selling us products would come in and ask me about floor planning, and I'd say, oh, yeah, we have a really good eye. We know where to put everything, and what I didn't realize is they were talking about financing. <laughs> so my business partner at the time, who was 23 and I was 30, we looked back and go, God, were we dumb. I would have done <laughs> refinances. I would, again, it's not a question of look before you leap. It's be able to establish a what I call a smart goal, a specific, measurable, attainable, reachable, timely goal. Like I'm going to do X, Y, Z by the end of this year, and it will result in this amount of sales and this amount, because most people have no clue what they're going to make in the following year unless they have a salary. You ask them, tell me exactly what you're going to make. And you know, well, it all depends right. versus having that. So I learned how important it is to plan your work and work your plan. And I didn't even understand the concept of a project as it related to business when I started. And th that's what's turned me around. And I was able to establish some successful businesses after that. But again, know your outcome, maintain your outcome and avoid being thrown off of it by having some type of emotional relationship that is destructive with your goal about 
well, maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I'm not capable enough, have I planned too much? Adjust your goal. It's all made up. Right. You don't want to just give up on it unless you find out it's totally inappropriate for you and your family. But other than that, it's all made up. Everything is made up. People are talking now about the Constitution and how it's written in stone. Well, somebody made that up. Well, no, they didn't. The, the Constitution's been designed to be amended. I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah, why we all, all the amendments. <laughs> it, 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 it was made up in saying, here's a set of guidelines. Right. And that's what I think we all need. We all need a personal constitution that we can follow. And I really didn't have a personal constitution. And I wasn't aware of what integrity was in the way that it affected you in your life and in your business. I wasn't aware of how important communication really was and being able to have an authentic conversation with somebody. It was usually what Covey says that you know, we're all just waiting for a chance to show our wisdom when, again, talk less. Clint Eastwood, of all people, (laughs) a man's got to know his limitations. And before you can know your limitations, you have to know what you can and can't do. What is one thing that visioneers can do today to grow a strong and profitable business? This is going to sound a bit repetitive, but an idea that's not written down is a wish. Uh. An idea that is not fleshed out is an idea. To have an idea and research what you have to do and really get all the ducks in a row and be able to say, no matter how much I want to do it, it's more than my uncle's got a barn, so let's put on a show. What are your union contracts if you're putting on a show? What do you have to do to do X? What are the laws? How many people can fit in a theater? you got to know everything versus just having a great show and saying, I want to put this on if you're a producer. And these are the things that producers know. And I don't mean just producers in Hollywood. I'm talking about producers, period. They are able to cause things to happen and to be the cause of action, to cause these ideas that they had and they fleshed out to materialize because that's who they are. If there's one piece of advice that I can give is stop trying to be what you want to be and just be it. And here's the explanation. Most of us live our life if we only had more education, if we only had more money, if we only had more intelligence, if we only had better parents, etc., then we could do what we know, what we know we would be able to do and can do, and then I'll be exactly exactly who I'm envisioning and my wish will come true. And I say, geez, that's just backwards. That you have to be, then you do, and then you have. And be, do, do, have. Like, you can't look in the mirror and go, someday I'm going to be a real great salesman. You have to be a real great salesman with still a lot to learn. And do what a really great salesman would do. And yeah, you're going to have, you know, it's what I learned in piano tuning. He said, before you can be good, you got to tune a hundred 
pianos. His name was Bob Perkins. He was from West Virginia. You got to tune 100 pianos. That's what I tell Just choose who you're being, be who you're being, and then go out and tune 100 pianos and quit complaining. I complain, but my coaching is quit complaining. That, to me, is really the the difference between most people. If I only had, if I only could do, then I could be, well, be that. I had a client who said, but I've got, I know another attorney is my age. We went to school together. I go in every day in a suit, and he goes in in cowboy boots and jeans, and he has a much better. I said, just, that's who he is. That's that's who he's being. You can't, you can't be him. But choose who you want to be and that's where I see the biggest breakdown is everybody's trying to be something that they're not and if they really really promoted their own strengths and their vision like mine is to be the cause of effective communication in the world and everything I do runs through that filter I question whether or not anybody has enough people have a personal mission statement like that where they can measure everything they're doing and does this fit does this fit this our conversation fits. It all fits when you have your strategy in place. If Visioneer Nation wanted to get in touch with you, how did they do that? A couple ways. One is Ike at IkeKrieger.com. And how do you spell Krieger? K-R-I-E-I-B-4-E, K-R-I-E-G-E-R.com. Or you can check out the Close the Deal Without Selling webpage, and you can reach me through that at close the deal without selling at gmail.com. And, uh, and what was the name of your podcast again? It's Close the Deal Without Selling, presented by The Easier Way to Sell. Ike, this has been a pleasure. We've gained a lot of very useful and helpful knowledge. And I really appreciate you being on the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Thank you very much. This was a treat. We talked about some things that are not only close to my heart, but I think can be helpful to, to your listeners. How do the top 10% of business owners generate so much success and wealth? I'm Tim McNeely from the Lifestone Companies, and I want to share with you four guidelines that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and enable you to change the world. If you go to lifestoneco.com slash four things, that's lifestoneco.com slash four things, you'll be able to download this guide that shares with you the four success habits that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and you to change the world. Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world not as it is, but as it could be be and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. 
Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.